politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. Life, liberty, property, it is all on the table. It is all at stake here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, December 6th. Well, actually, scrap that. It is Tuesday already. Holy smokes. It's like the week has just gotten started, and I don't even know... uh, I don't even know what date it is. Uh, December 6th, it is Tuesday. And folks, you know, I didn't even know that today was the runoff. Didn't even know. The runoff in Georgia. And obviously, it's very muted because everyone knows that Warnock's going to crush it. It's not even going to be close. Uh, The Republicans controlled the state the last two decades and did nothing as they built this... uh, you know, early voting juggernaut, and they didn't either shut it down or uh, compete on the level playing field with them. Uh, the Republicans stand for nothing. I don't know what Herschel Walker stands for. I don't know what exciting ideas he's pushing. And obviously, also, just keep in mind, it's it would only be the 50th seat, not the 51st seat. But if it would be the 51st seat, this would be the Super Bowl. Everyone would be all focused on it. And it wouldn't matter. Because as I've noted... Democrats have really a 90, a minimum of 90 seats, 90, 92 seats, not 50. So it doesn't matter anyway. This is what our people need to understand. That you can't get worse than it already is. The Republican Party agrees with the Democrats at a leadership level on the issues that matter in the way they matter, particularly at the time that they matter. Once the ball is not in play anymore, or the left has moved on to even greater issues, buoyed by the original issue that Republicans failed to fight, then maybe Republicans will fight yesteryear's issue. So I want to talk about this principle through the prism of some of the issues we're dealing with today. Uh, Coming up, we're going to have Kathy Barnett on who was probably one of the most exciting conservative candidates of the cycle, would have won the Pennsylvania primary, very likely would have won the general election, but Trump and the Trump establishment worked to down her. Why it is so hard to win primaries, uh, even though the majority of Republican voters agree with us on the issues, but the mechanics of it are so difficult. First, our sponsor today, um, despite everyone suddenly telling us a private business could do whatever they want, they could fire you for not getting a shot, not wearing a mask. But the reality is, if it's not a Fourth Reich issue, a business cannot do whatever it wants, and they're crushed by HR regulations. Um, you know, sexual harassment, uh, you're mean to them, you looked at them the wrong way, obviously discrimination. Uh, it's it's impossible to deal with HR issues. And certainly if you're a small to mid-sized business, it really chews up a lot of bandwidth. That's why I recommend Bambi. Why? Because rather than hiring for $70,000, $80,000 a year, an employee dedicated to that, I could get it to you through Bambi for $99 a month. Um, they give you access to your own dedicated HR manager so that that person is attached to your company They're available by phone, email, real-time chat, everything from onboarding to terminations uh, to team members' uh, performance analysis and just making sure your businesses stay compliant with the myriad myriad of uh, growing and changing HR regs. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like settling policies, training, and feedback. Uh, health insurance, all this stuff is just, it's a nightmare. So schedule your free conversation t- today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi, that's dot com right now, and then type in conservative review under podcast. They'll ask, ask you which podcast you heard it on when you sign it up. Um, it will really help this show and help you as well. So that's Bam to the B, B-A-M-B-E-E.com, and then type in conservative review under podcast. And by the way, it would be really interesting if state legislatures in this upcoming session, I really think that we need to have a list of taxes and regulations to exempt small businesses from um, just because of the shutdown and everything that has been done to uh, just all this tendentious treatment of, of larger corporations. 
but that's just me. Anyway, so to underscore just how bad things are, you probably thought it was a joke when I told you last week that not only would Republicans vote for gay marriage, not only are they going to screw us on the budget bills and everything, they're going to push amnesty. And it's like, no way, come on. At least on that issue, I mean, it might the Republicans might have screwed us with amnesty for all these years, and that's why we are where we are. But now that we are, they're no longer pushing amnesty. Nope. This was one of the biggest news stories of the day, Washington Post. Um, and Republicans have a chance to do something new. Rather than treating the southern border as a blank screen upon which to project their storehouse of demagoguery, they can support an emerging compromise. Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina is working with Kirsten Cinema, Democrat of Arizona. They reached an, an, an agreement to help the Dreamers, basically an amnesty bill. Pathway to citizenship for 2 million people. And then they just throw more funding at the border, which, as you well know, it's not a funding issue. It's a policy issue. So if you put more funding with the current policies, you're just going to fund the circuitous smuggling and catch and release operation. But this is not even Lisa Murkowski or Mitt Romney or Susan Collins. This is the Republican senator from North Carolina, the same one who just voted for gay marriage. So my question to you is, how far does this business go of vote Republican at any cost? You know, Tom Tillis will be up soon. And by the way, I opposed him from day one. I I used to call him when he ran in that original primary years ago. I said he was K Street's senator before ever being in the Senate. But, you know, no one listened to me in the primaries. And it's so sad watching us pay the price for this. But we're talking about the most fundamental issues of our time, the most radical positions on the most destructive Democrat policies, and yet this is what they're doing. And in case you think, oh, it's just one person, the entire party is like that. It creates a climate for which you'll have a couple of people openly doing it. Others don't want to openly do it. They're still scared enough of the conservative base, but they're never going to be a force for good if they're hope yes, vote no. So what I'm telling you is most Republicans, McConnell, Cornyn, they're totally fine. Thune, he's the GOP whip. They are totally fine with what Tillis is doing. So whether they ultimately go through with it and have the time to do it in a lame duck or not, I don't know. There's amnesty. There's the high-skilled, and they're not high-skilled. It's any bachelor's degree thing from big tech and India and China visas. Then there's a low-tech manual labor bill to basically create indentured slaves out of farm workers who are illegal aliens. There's three different proposals they're pushing to watch for. Whatever it is, um, they're, they're continuing to do this. And my question to you is, are you going to continue to vote for these people in general elections? Because if so, you have no leverage over them. And again, my strategy is not just, oh, let the Democrat win. It's that to announce these are unacceptable candidates. So just know if you run them, we will not vote for them in the general because that's their position on our candidates. And number two Obviously, we start reforming the primaries into conventions. We start running independence. That is, so it's not just, oh, you know, you have no option. You have another option. Um, and and again, just just focus more on what what our listener Fred, and I agree with him, Fred from Virginia put out, uh, he sent me an email about, you know, we talk about GOTV, get out the vote. He had GOTP, get out the pressure pressure every day on the issues part of the problem is our people don't even know what their republicans are doing even in north carolina they don't know that tillis is literally a democrat so that pressure needs to be ratcheted up and this is the job of conservative radio and columnists and that's the job they fail on with all of their focus on the democrats which is stupid because you're not going to influence the democrats so This is where we're at. They're still pushing amnesty. They're still pushing gay marriage. They have not changed. They have not changed one iota. 
And, and folks, let me give you the flip side of this, the good news. The good news, I mean, it's good news mixed with bad news. The good news is, because we fought McCarthy, he's he's starting to take our advice. Now, it's a foxhole conversion. The minute he's speaker, we lose our leverage. But a lot of people are like, hey, you see, McCarthy's much better than McConnell. What's your problem with him? Yeah, you idiot. It's only because we went after him. He, My columns are hitting him so hard, he's actually finally doing it. So he called on them to block the NDAA until the military mandate's off. That's good. But I will say that's also an example of focusing on the issue that doesn't matter in the way it doesn't matter, particularly at the time it doesn't matter. I called on this last year to block the mandates. At this point, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's anyone left in the military that didn't have to go over the hill, meaning they either had to get the shot or they lost their job. So at this point, I mean, maybe for future recruits, you could say, but it's already over. The bigger issue is you created a holocaust in the military over the injury. It's not just the mandate. It's that they need to be pulled, the shots. So now they're focusing on the mandate. So the Democrats might give in. So the good news is it shows that if you actually fight for it, it works. Pressure, forced focus on a particular issue matters. Much more than voting. Much more than elections. And, But the shame is this pressure wasn't brought to bear when it could have done more good last year. Why couldn't we have done this last year? It was it was clear last year they weren't stopping transmission, even according to their narrative. Doesn't stop critical illness either. But um, it's too little too late. That's the problem. But interestingly enough, there are signs that McCarthy is finally calling on them to also hold up the omnibus bill. But again, where was this clamor when it mattered more in September when they kicked the CR into Christmas, when they should have kicked it from September into February or March. So that's that's an interesting point, but but McCarthy is starting to listen. Now, I don't have any confidence that we'll have any leverage thereafter, but at least as of now, <coughs> it is working. That That would not have happened. McCarthy's fight... Would not have happened without Chip Roy and, um, sorry, Andy Biggs, Matt Gates, uh, Congressman Good from Virginia, a couple others. Would not have happened. Matt Rosendale. Now, folks, our other sponsor today, as you're looking for Christmas presents, now's the time to, uh, you know, start going down your list. A great gift are Raycon earbuds, okay? So if you don't want to become a complete transhumanist where your eyes are glued to a screen, you need to start thinking about how many things you could do through audio. Listen to this show. Listen to music. Unplug. Um, Now, I, I have like sensory issues. I hate things in my ears. But Raycon are the first earbuds that actually fit seamlessly. Uh, they don't feel like, um, you know, I have something foreign in my ears. They fit perfectly uh, like all my earpieces for when I do media, they never fit good. I'm always fiddling with it. Um, right now, you could shop early, skip the stress, and snag some of the best deals of the season uh, before the Christmas shopping with premium auto, audio products from Raycon. Uh, they have wireless earbuds, headphones, speakers, offer premium sound, useful features, um, You know, almost, again, that custom-like fit up to 54 hours of battery life um, and as the person gifting them you've got to love that they start at half the price of other premium audio brands so you get the premium quality not for the premium price uh really really good stuff and uh, you know my, my my son stole my pair so i had to go get another one and use uh, our link which is buyraycon.com slash conservative um and you could find raycon in stores now like kohl's or walmart but uh, let me tell you right now, you're going to pay more. When you go to buyraycon.com slash conservative and use code EARLYBF, 
EARLYBF to get 20% off site-wide. So this is not just their earbuds, but everything. Um, it's it. You will not find that deal anywhere else. So now is the time to shop for, for your holiday presents um, and or save even bigger and get 30% off Raycon's exclusive holiday bundles. So again, that's code EARLYBF at buyraycon.com slash conservative for 20% off um, or 30% off their holiday bundles, buyraycon.com slash conservative. So this is from Newsmax. McCarthy's budget message to McConnell, wait until we're in charge. We're 28 days from Republicans having the gavel. We'd be stronger in any negotiation. Any Republican trying to work with them is wrong. McCarthy said on Fox News, why would you want to work on anything if we don't have the gavel inside of Congress? Wait until we're in charge. Asked if his remarks were directed at McConnell, McCarthy answered yes. So look, this is big news. Now, why did it take this long to make that point? I'm saying, had he done this, the longer you wait, the more support builds for a um, an, an omnibus, the harder it is to stop it. Why he would not have done this earlier, especially when they thought they'd win even bigger margins and they'd win the Senate, is a little bit bizarre. Uh, I think we know the answer because McCarthy did not envision this challenge. So... Is he doing it for the right reasons? No. But again, this demonstrates that you can't throw your panties at them and you can't kiss up to them. You have to hold them on a tight leash. I've always said this. The middle ground between, you know, just not voting Republican at all or giving up completely on that and voting Democrat or whatever is at least holding holding them on a short leash. It does work to an extent. Now, I think Politico is right in, in the way they char- characterize this. Politico says... After years of privately railing against the so-called vote-no-hope-yes crowd, Republicans who vote against must pass fiscal bills to avoid personal blowback at home while privately praying they pass to avoid national blowback against the GOP, McCarthy is officially joining the club. The the reality is that no member of the House Republican leadership right now wants to deal with a spending fight in the beginning of the next Congress, which which they know would likely lead to a shutdown, but they're more concerned about being seen working with Democrats. And that was my article I did yesterday. I brought up his entire history of working with Democrats on every single budget bill. And, uh, you know, that hit home. So, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a bow there. But McCarthy is starting to fight. But that's not a reason for these phony conservative talk show hosts to say, oh, you see, you were wrong about McCarthy. No, we were right. Unlike you guys, we actually get results. And, and by the way, this is the biggest thing that concerns me about Kevin McCarthy. My biggest concern about him is that precisely because he is so close with conservatives, with conservative talk show hosts, Paul Ryan and especially John Boehner, Eric Cantor, they had a very standoffish relationship with conservative influencers. So I wasn't so worried about this, but with McCarthy, he has them wrapped around his finger. So it's not just the speakership. Okay, he becomes speaker, fine. But with each and every one of these policy budget battles, he's going to be an ambassador to the conservative movement going out and telling us that the pee on our legs is really water. That's what he's going to do. And then all these conservative talk shows are going to say, see, Daniel, it's a, it's a narrow majority. He's doing the best he can. By not going along with it, you're empowering, empowering the Democrats. The same old garbage. You're helping the Democrats. The people who help the Democrats tell us if you don't help them help the Democrats, you're helping the Democrats. I'm sick of this game. I'm sick of it. But... In general, what this reveals, and it's a dirty little secret, when you watch how few of us are fighting McCarthy, how few of us are fighting the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter, and how many voices in conservative talk radio are off base, off everything, it demonstrates we are the true rhinos. And I, I, I take that with a badge of honor. I don't consider myself a Republican and haven't for a few years. I'm an independent conservative. I'm done with that party. I'll use it to the extent it's helpful, to the extent that we have no other choice, but 
we are the rhinos. Increasingly watching this, it's like watching the Houthis versus Al-Qaeda. It just doesn't matter. They're all going to fight over the political, the raw political soap opera issues. And watch for all of the hearings in the GOP-led house. It's all going to be over Biden, Biden, Biden crime family. I'm not saying there's nothing important about that. But that's going to be the exclusive lead. It's not going to be over the American people are getting screwed. The American people were, were killed with COVID, COVID fascism, vaccine injury. It's not going to be over stuff like that. One of the lessons about DeSantis is he came across to independent and even Democrat voters that he cared about the lives of average people. Republicans don't give that image. It's all but the Democrats. It's all raw politics. And I understand that doesn't seem to harm the Democrats when they do that. But, you know, right away, we're always going to start with 50... uh, you know, 50 different avenues against us, so you got to put your best foot forward, and our best foot forward is not what the Republicans are offering, and they're messaging their agenda. So that's with that. You know, you, you look, let me just give you an example. Whatever happened to all those protests from last week in China? Where is the effort from Republicans to say, we need to help the protests against the Chinese, just like they said, you know, to help those fighting Putin. <clears throat> Even McConnell, when he spoke last week, it was very muted. He called China's government pandemic response repressive amid mismanagement and dysfunction in China. The U.S. should increase our vigilance, redouble our strength, and keep our friends and partners even closer. What does that even mean? Mismanagement and dysfunction. No, it's pure evil. But he couldn't say that because he believes in he believed in, in the lockdowns. He voted for them. But that's the thing. Republicans on the issues that matter, immigration, COVID fascism, vaccines, medical freedom, Ukraine, transgenderism, values, whatever it is, they're on the other side. The only reason why it's even a little bit subtle with some of them is just because they're scared of their base. But that is all the more reason why we need to ratchet up the pressure, not carry water for them. And make it clear, we are not on your reservation. We're on our own reservation. If we strategically want to vote for one of your guys, we will. But we're not guaranteed right now. The message to these guys, and they're not wrong, is that no matter what, no matter how, they will vote for them. Now, I will agree that, like, with Herschel Walker, you're not going to, you know, there will be some suppressed turnout because people don't care anymore. But those are usually the loosely detached conservative type of voters that really gave up on politics a long time ago or, or were never involved but are very gettable. But the core GOP reliable voters always do turn out, and, and that's what we're seeing. They always do because they're terrified of the Democrats. But this is what we need to change. This needs to change. Let me just give you some more examples. We're, we're going to have him on uh, Strickland later this week probably. But uh, this guy in Fredericksburg, Virginia, he had his bar or his restaurant raided by the Department of Alcohol, whatever, in Virginia for not complying with this whole settlement arrangement, this whole thing for him uh, not enforcing social distancing in his restaurant. Now, I understand that was done under the previous administration, but Youngkin has been in there for almost a full year. How is this still happening? How is this still happening? Let me move on. If you look at every other health department except for Florida's, they literally sound like Fauci. They're still promoting boosters. They're promoting boosters even on infants and babies. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. No amount of information. Obviously, not only are they uh, recommending against shots for younger people in Florida, but now in general, DeSantis and Latipo are starting to go after the meat and potatoes of mRNA vaccines. 
that it's not just the mandates, but the vaccines themselves are unsafe. There is not a single other governor who's come even close to that. And to this day, their health department, South Carolina, South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho, Wyoming, Texas, they're promoting this garbage. If you go to the South Dakota Department of Health under and click on the vaccine tab, a video comes up with this woman, this nurse named Stearns. I want you to listen to this minute video of her and realize what state you're in. Hi, I'm Jen. I'm a nurse and I'm a mom. I became eligible to receive the COVID vaccine when I was 28 weeks pregnant. I was initially a little bit nervous, so I decided to evaluate the risks and the benefits. When I considered the risks of getting COVID meant a potential miscarriage or death, that suddenly made my decision really clear. I knew there were potential unknowns about getting the vaccine, but I couldn't think of anything worse than losing my baby or not getting to see my other children grow up. When Stanley was born, we learned he had COVID antibodies and I became so emotional. I knew we were both safe and it filled me with so much hope for the world that together we can finally put an end to this virus. Talk to your doctor about getting vaccinated today. For more information, visit doh.sd.gov. So, folks, this is South Dakota, not California, not New York, not Maryland or Massachusetts. And she is promoting it on pregnant women. Oh, I didn't want to have a miscarriage. Are you freaking kidding me? All the signals we have that the, the shots are causing it. Oh, I'm glad my baby had antibodies. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Christy Nome acts like a big hero. But her Department of Health is horrible. The last time I checked, all these departments work for the governor. There's no fourth branch of government. This is the difference between DeSantis and the rest of them. Aside from the fact that rhetorically and policy-wise, he's been stronger. But even <clears throat> beyond that, he reigned in the departments and, dr- and drained the swamp and then installed people that share his values. And now... They're putting out useful information against the shots. But this is what you find in South Dakota. I mean, I can go on and on. You go to the Texas Department of Health. Click on it. Go go right now. Go to their website. They're still promoting their vaccines on social media. For Thanksgiving, they were like, make sure you travel safely. Get your booster. They're doing it even for children on Twitter, the Department of Health of Texas. Whereas you go to the Florida Department of Health, click on um, their website, on the top of their, you know, the, not the top, it's more towards the bottom, but it's on the front page. They actually do have something about COVID shots, but you know what it is? Under the new Florida law, there are options for anyone who doesn't want to get the shot. <laughs> and it basically, it's ways to get out of private employers that are forcing it on you. And... um. The Florida Department of Health is working alongside the Office of Attorney General to oversee compliance with these laws. Exact opposite. There is no, not one, not one other state. And I know there's some people in Florida that wish things went even farther, and I do as well. But I'm saying you look at that there compared to every freaking other state. It's a joke. Two years later, they're still doing this. And even the lockdowns and masks where they say they're no longer for that stuff you still have states where they're being punished. Where you have legal proceedings going on and the governor has not voided them out. It's the Houthis versus Al-Qaeda. That's what it is. Increasingly, it doesn't matter. This is my message. If you don't shake things up with new ideas, a degree of fervent scrutiny between every election that's even greater than the Republican obsession and conservative obsession with elections themselves. Focusing on the issues, the strategies. Holding Republicans on a short leash. If you don't do it, it just won't matter. It just won't matter. And by the way, folks, you know what's crazy? 
they're still promoting this on children, young children. Idaho. Idaho Department of Health. Um, they are, where is this? First and foremost, this is a tweet from them. First and foremost, vaccination is the best defense in prevention of influenza and COVID-19 for children. They're talking about children. Children. Do you know, I'm sure some of you have seen this, big news today. There's a study published in the British Medical Journal's um, spinoff. One of their spinoffs is the Journal of Medical Ethics. Bardosh et al., bunch of different authors, American authors, and they found, here's their conclusion, and this is not even for children, this is like people in their 20s and 30s, young adults, to avoid one young adult hospitalization from COVID, you would have to vaccinate over 30, between 31,000 and 42,000 people, but by doing so, you would accrue 18 significant vaccine injuries that require hospitalization, and as many as 4,624 cases of grade three or greater reactogenicity interfering with daily activities, meaning it might not quite send you to the hospital, but, you know, 4,600 hardcore injuries. And by the way, it's a lot more than that because they're working. Where, where do they get the data from? They're not working off of our data with all the surveys and VAERS juxtaposed to VSAFE. No, they're working with the actual clinical trial data, which is all fraudulent. But even their own data show this. That, that's the power of this study. Obviously, it's a lot more than 18 hospitalizations out of that. You would have more like 200. Um, and you and there's never a scenario now under Omicron where you're going to prevent a hospitalization. Just the opposite. You're causing it. You're literally causing it. Um, it literally... Uh, um, literally causes more COVID. So it, it, it just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But you still have red states promoting it. This is crazy. Let me point out one more thing before we get to our guest. Just to show how crazy the world has become. Pushing this on pregnant women. This is from JAMA, just published last week. Analysis of clinical outcomes of pregnant patients treated with nirmatrelivir and ritonavir for acute SARS-CoV-2 infection. Nirmatrelivir is Paxlovid, and it's mixed with ritonavir. Paxlovid. And here's what they find. They looked at a case series of 47 pregnant women, and they said it was well-tolerated. They didn't seem to have problems. And then they throw in, in their findings, the following line. Approximately half of the deliveries after treatment with nertolavir were via cesarean delivery. Like, wait, what did you just say? Now, it's not a mass, it's not a big sample size, it's small, but it's not like four, where you say two had cesareans and so, ah, maybe it's a fluke. 47, and half of them had cesareans. Like, what the heck? And then they go, meaning, meaning it's their, uh, their conclusion. Results of this study suggest that pregnant patients with SARS-CoV-2 infection can be safely treated with, with, uh, with Paxlovid. What? This is what they do. It's like, it's like that news service where they would like, say the news, and while they're saying it, they would take off their clothes. Like, wait, what just happened? And they just say it like so blissfully. What? That's crazy. I mean, I don't know if it proves that it caused the, the need for cesarean, but how do you not further study that and definitively conclude that it's safe? This is what has become of our medical journals. That's what they do. It's like they'll have they'll bury the lead and they'll have them, yeah, this kills half the people. And this is demonstrates all the more so why it needs to be given to everyone, including pregnant women and, and infants. And yet, there is no movement. It's like a nerdy movement with Ron Johnson and a handful of people. This should be like the issue du jour. You could not even imagine the landscape, the electoral landscape for a Republican Party that would make this their lead issue. It looks like you care about the average person against Big Pharma. 
Instead, a lot of polls still show that Republicans are the ones who look greedy. It's insane. With all the money the Democrats get from them, but it's it's political malpractice. But that's what a controlled opposition does. And they do it very well. Now, folks, speaking of a controlled opposition and the lesser of two evils, really the evil of two lessers, there's a perfect example of this that we'd be remiss not to rehash given all the hand-wringing over the election results and where we go from here. Obviously, ground zero for, I think, what exemplified the GOP failure on election day was the state of Pennsylvania, right? Because that's a state that typically... Um, swings back and forth, but in a strong anti-incumbent midterm, uh, it swings against the incumbent party in the White House like it did in 2010. And, you know, you would expect them to have won pretty big. And then obviously that was the seat where you had Fetterman running, which was just kind of biblical what was going on there. And yet Republicans got crushed. Now, I wrote a column, you know, after Oz won the nomination, I said, look, you know, I said, there's no way he can win anyway, so you may as well run someone else. It's not even a matter of, hey, you know, is he better than a Democrat or not better than a Democrat or possibly even more subversive than one? It was very clear he couldn't win. And, you know, because his numbers among independent voters was just fatal. And that's literally what wound up happening. And then in addition to that, you had the governor's race where you did have a patriot running. But unlike with the Senate race, where more or less Republicans always rally around bad candidates of the establishment, but the establishment then sandbags conservative candidates, so he got crushed, self-fulfilling prophecy. So Pennsylvania wound up being such a dumpster fire, they lost control of the state house for the first time in many years, and it's an utter disaster. And it really exemplifies kind of where we are. But it was the lead up to that. The fact that it didn't have to happen. You had a choice. People forget there was a primary. You had two candidates that spent trillions of dollars. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but but definitely millions upon millions of dollars in the primary. Uh, you had this guy McCormick, who was kind of a typical McConnell type of Republican. And then you had Oz, who was, I would argue, way to the left of McConnell. And then you had a bunch of smaller candidates, you know, lesser known candidates. And, you know, all, all along, you had Kathy Barnett, and I remember looking at her website early on in the campaign and seeing she was one of the only ones who actually focused on medical freedom, you know, like as if COVID even happened. And I was like, wow, you know, it, it would be amazing if someone like that could win, but, you know, I doubt she has the money and whatever. And, uh, you know, I was this year, I just, I got so jaded. I just didn't even care about the Senate. I was like, there's a 90-10 liberal majority in the Senate. I don't care. So I only focused on the gubernatorial primaries. I should have probably focused on this primary anyway, but I didn't. But Kathy Barnett, the final month out of nowhere with, with no outside help and no money, closed the gap and was even leading in the polls. In comes the establishment, the Fox News cabal, the fake conservative talk show hosts, and they blasted her. And I was like, man, if someone like Kathy couldn't win, I don't even know who can. And 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 this is really what I want to discuss, to have an honest discussion. It's not so easy to just say, oh, just, just primary them. I mean, you look at a guy like Tom Tillis. The guy literally voted for gay marriage, baked the cake, and now is pushing amnesty at a time like this. And he'll be up for re-election. You know, oh, there's, there's no way he could even stand for renomination, Daniel, right? No, not so simple. You'd be shocked at how easy these guys win renomination. I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 15 years. So to discuss this and more is Kathy herself uh, to discuss how hard it was to get to the position she was in the primary, where she's headed, where she thinks the future needs to be, kind of a postmortem on Pennsylvania. Hey, Kathy, you know— I, it, it's my sin for not having you on at the time it mattered, but hopefully we'll rectify that now. Thanks for joining us today on Blaze Media. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's the only you're the only candidate for whom I feel guilty not having on at that time. Um, I was Good. just like, I just Good. so didn't care about the Senate. <laughs> I so didn't care about it. I wish you would have run for governor, but it is what it is. I want you to describe yeah. a little bit. Um, just the challenges that 
just because you have the most articulate conservative message, it doesn't mean you necessarily win. What are these sort of challenges that you run up against in, you know, in, in a GOP primary? Yeah, well, you know, again, thank you for having me on. Um, but you're right. Everything that you said thus far as I'm listening in, um, it's spot on for the most part, is that it's not just about having a good conservative or a good Republican, even if you're not, you know, as conservative, but just a good person going up against an incumbent Republican, for example. It's not just about messaging. Uh, you, you spoke about my website at the time, you probably came out and looked at my website. If you had also looked at all the other people I was running against their website, they had no policies. <laughs> they weren't telling people at all what they were talking about. And yet they were spending millions of dollars, most of that coming out of their own pocket. And just to give perspective, at the end of the primary, uh, my two primary opponents, Dr. Oz being one of them, they spent, those two together combined, spent $60 million wow. just in a primary. I spent less than $2 million. I spent more like $1.6 million, right? And so it wasn't just, you know, David against Goliath. It was a, David against a team of Goliaths. And yet um, I ended up uh, in, a, in a statistical tie for first place and started surging past um, uh, McCormick and was on the heels and about to overtake Oz in the last month, it wasn't by osmosis. If you had come into my campaign office, you would have seen we had on the wall every month broken down by weeks. And, um, and, and I was on the campaign trail for about 13 months, and we put this, this chart up probably, uh, uh, I don't know, 11 months um, out, and I predicted on this chart that if we were in these places doing these things, talking to these people, doing this this way, then I would be in a statistical tie for first place um, by six weeks out. In fact, it was five weeks and three days, and I moved into a statistical tie for first week and for first place. And so I say all of that to say it was not by osmosis. And I know that there are a lot of consultants who are licking their chops and trying to double down and secure their job for the next time. And so they're saying all kinds of reasons of why I won or why I was in that position, but it was not by osmosis. And so you would think the Republican Party, as low energy as they are, lack of message that they have, that after the primary, one would think that they would have turned around, come back, got me and said, Kathy, Show us what you did. Kathy, give us some of that energy. Kathy, help us with our messaging. Instead, it was crooked. You don't, you don't uh, exist. They did not turn around. You don't exist. Oh, yeah. And to the extent they talk right. about it, they talk about McCormick, the other guy whom, you know, it seems like he wants to run this cycle. Now, Casey, the other seat is up, the Democrat Senate seat, and they want to run him. And they're like, oh, okay, so Oz wasn't a good candidate, but he'll be a good candidate. Um, you have a book out, and I want people to to look it up, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, literally the position that the Republican Party would have been in by nominating Kathy Barnett, but you know that's not what they're seeking to do. And by the way, you could uh, check up her work at kathybarnett.com. She's also on Twitter at Kathy4Truth. Four is the, the um, number for truth on Twitter. So, so Kathy, describe um, – what happened in those final days? Because part I, I'm not I'm trying to defend my honor here. Part of I'm just working backwards. I remember thinking to myself that last week I was like, I don't want to bother her because I, I was going to get your number from Steve, and it's like you know it, it, she's busy. I don't want to bother her. It looked to me like you had it because typically when you have someone surge like from nowhere to come even and then they keep going up, they're going to win. That's typically there's a lag effect in the polls. I was floored by the results. I thought you were going to win. What happened there? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> we just could not overcome. If you recall, if you can go back that far, right? For some people, going back seven months is like an eternity. But if we can allow ourselves to go back and just think about, you know, what happened, those last five days is when, 
you know, um, all hell broke loose on in the within the re, within the Republican Party. But we could not overcome Sean Hannity, for example, one of the largest uh, shows in the conservative ram, I guess. Uh, he had an hour show, a one hour show on uh, uh, Fox News, and then he had a one hour radio show. And he dedicated both hours primarily to just bashing me every day for five days on Friday before the election on May 17th, uh, that Friday before he was telling people I was potentially a member of Black Lives Matter. And by Monday, he switched it up and said, oh, no, look, she's marching with the Proud Boys. And I'm like, I can't be both people. <laughs> I can't do both of these things, right? You guys are going to have to pick a struggle for me. But it was just that constant, right? They had these spliced up videos. They put millions of dollars. Uh, the outside money that came in, I was looking at Open Secret yesterday. Uh, it looked about $5 million of outside money came in just to oppose me. So you combine that with two hours every day for five days of the free advertising Sean Hannity gave to uh, Dr. Oz. That's a lot of money. And they were just, you know, the lies and all of that. And unfortunately, what they were looking for were the low-hanging, gullible fruits that uh, reside in the Republican Party. They just needed 5%. And that's what I lost by. So I lost by a little bit, like roughly 5%. Um, and they were just looking for the gullible. They were looking for those, you know, the, the, the primary issue for most people at that time who were going to vote for me, but decided in the last minute not to, was what Sean Hannity and others were pushing, which is electability. Yes. Is she electable? And I would watch Sean Hannity tap his paper on his desk saying TikTok, TikTok, saying, you know, I've done the analysis. Only Dr. Oz can win. Only Dr. Oz can win. <laughs> My analysis tells me only Dr. Oz. And so that was enough because our party, unfortunately, and I saw it all the time. Um, I'm going to get to the good part in a minute. But just to put a bow on this, within our party, we have a lot of voters who are primarily looking for the road most traveled. Yes. They don't want to do a lot of work. They want you to be rich because that means they don't yeah. have to donate. They want I want to just go you know, out once every other year, cast a ballot, cast R versus D, I've done my job, not hold them accountable, not focus right. on the issues, not put the rhinos on a short leash, right. and, and, and right. just just... Get the Repo I just want the Democrat out of here. And and don't we all, but that I'm so glad you articulated because you're singing my national anthem. I, I obviously never emotionally invested what you did putting your life on the line like that, but I, I helped so many candidates for 15 years in primaries. And and I, I so identified with you because this was the playbook. So first, they you, they just starve you of oxygen because usually you, you just don't have enough money and name ID to even get anywhere. But then the minute you do and you work very hard for it, they have a, a, conf, a, a conflation of two factors. And often they, they conflict each other, like you said. They say they either say you're the liberal, so they confuse voters. Their guys, they like like Oz is a conservative. Like, well, trend. I mean, well, well, what they were playing on is the fact that I'm I'm a black woman, and so there were insidious um, uh, commercials they put together where they would say the word Obama, and then they'll flash my picture, <laughs> or they would say you know black, and then Black Lives Matter, and then they'll flash my picture, right? And so they so know people in Western were Pennsylvania were picturing like the guys burning the cars in Philly and, you know, things like that. But then at the same time, the second factor, they said the electability. And I'm telling you that and that is what it was. that is the I it knew it. I knew it when I saw McCormick, when I saw his numbers go up and I said, boom, those are people that were smart enough to know that Oz was a leftist. But they they just they they figured McCormick's kind of a safe, kind of lame, you know, respectable-looking yeah, yeah. guy, has the money, has the backing, that you can't win 
Um, and and I honestly don't know what to do about that because it's funny McCarthy is actually playing that game on the inside game with the speaker's vote now. Hey, if you don't support me, the Democrats would win. And I'm telling you, he's gaining a lot of traction with some of those. And that's, yeah. and that's enough because how do we break that, trained. Kathy? And so, well, I mean, you know, I mean, I would have thought that Republicans, and I used to say this all the time when I was out there. You know, we were traveling you know, over 1,500 miles a week for 13 months. So when you say I earned it, I earned my spot, right? I earned what I got. I didn't pay for it. I didn't buy people off. I earned it. I went out there, rolled up my sleeves, and I did the hard work. That's why I find it demeaning that they would come up with every kind of reason on why I was surging versus the obvious one. I outworked them. I outsmarted them. I ran a far superior campaign. I knew exactly what I needed to do and where I needed to go. And it wasn't by accident, right? And again, if the Republican Party wants to win, you would think somebody would get their head out of the sand and say, hey, let's just sit down and have a conversation at least. Let's just figure out, like, what in the world did you do? But you're right. They're not, they don't want new blood, the overwhelming majority, those who control our party. And I used to say that when I was on the road, is that we have a group of elites within our party who are controlling and pulling the strings. And they are not as interested in winning as the rest of us may be, right? Like we're interested in winning, getting the Democrats out of office, get more rational thinkers, people who actually love our country into office, but you would be surprised. That is not the the foremost thought in many of these quote unquote elites within our party. For them, the number one goal is control. And yes. if they think they're going to lose control by having an outsider that they think they can't control come in, they will do exactly what they did to me. They will unleash the Kraken and they will give them permission to act like CNN. And that's exactly what Sean Hannity was yes. doing. Everything we despise from the left and what they've done to conservatives and what they've done to, to our country and the tricks they use and the lies and the smears and, and all of that that they do, that's exactly what the left was doing. I say Sean Hannity because he's the most prominent, but you saw these conservative bootlickers up and down you know, doing, going out and carrying out their marching orders. Uh, we have given them prominence. They've gotten that prominence as a conservative. And then they turn around, immediately monetize it. And now if they're giving commands to go out and actually try to destroy someone else's life who's trying to do the right thing, they will do it. And they were very reckless with my life, but not just my life. You see these people being very reckless with the lives of so many Americans. And so... I would go out and I would talk to the American, you know, to Pennsylvanians, and I would say, hopefully, what I'm banking on, right? What I'm banking on, because I can't buy you, I can't buy your loyalty. What I'm banking on is that you have learned your lesson about what type of leadership we need in office. This is, you know, I'm running in 2022, so we've now had two years of Democrats taking off their masks and showing us exactly who they are with shutting down our businesses, shutting down our schools, forcing our perfectly healthy children to wear a mask, sending them because by, you know, um, as a direct result of them shutting out their lives, you know, uh, uh, our children are struggling, opening up our borders, just, you know, putting COVID-19 positive patients inside of nursing homes. That was rampant out here in Pennsylvania. And so my my, my, so my pitch to them was my, my ability to win is going to be based on the voting public being, having learned their lesson. Have you learned your lesson yet? And apparently we have it, not all of us. And so I'm hoping that over the next two years, over the next six years, if we can survive as a nation, <laughs> that those within the Republican Party will learn the lesson that Democrats are teaching because they're being very plain. They're not hiding. But for some reason, 
you know, I, I mean, there's a list of reasons I guess we can kind of give to this on why it's so difficult for Republicans to not be so gullible and learn. But here's the other good part that I have to um, put out there is that I did not lose by 30 percent, by 20 percent, um, by by 60 percent. I lost by 5 percent. So that tells me, right, that tells me as an outsider, as I was, not the most likely person to run for such a seat, but that tells me that we are not the fringe. There are over 330,000 plus Pennsylvanians who refuse to be denied, who refuse to be gullible and listen to the likes of Sean Hannity, Greg Kelly, Rick Grinnell, and so many others uh, who were coming out lying about me. They refused it. And they rejected the 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 Romney, you know, like character in um, in Dave McCormick, and they rejected the outright Democrat of who Oz has always been. And they said, no, we've learned our lesson. We want a fighter. We want something different. And so that gives me a tremendous amount of hope because. Can we move, can we shift the thinking of another 5%? I think we can. And so that is what I'm gonna be focused on, is going out here in Pennsylvania, especially in some of these more blue markets, and um, and begin to tell our story as Republicans, because okay. I believe we have the best story. So blue, blue market, blue market, this is where I wanted to end with you. What's your postmortem looking at the electoral map Kind of, if you, if you would compare the the Oz numbers to, let's say, Trump twenty sixteen, where was this? Where and what type of voter was this election lost in for Republicans? That is, and why are you certain, especially given this whole mail in ballot juggernaut system the Democrats oh, yeah. created, that you would have won the general election? Well, that is crazy, but. Again, um, even in the primary, I was priming the pump for the general election. So I was already stomping hard in these more blue territory, whether it's, you know, Chinatown or whether it's among um, Hindus or among African-Americans or black people. I don't even say African-American, black people or whether with um, Hispanics. So I was already doing that. But not only that, um, you know, we were already gearing up for the mail-in ballot vote uh, uh, fight because I lived through that in 2020 when I ran for the first time um, as a first-time candidate. And I saw the devastation of those mail-in ballots. And just to give perspective again with these mail-in ballots, for, um, uh, uh, by election night, 1.4 million mail-in ballots had been requested. Over 70% of those went to Democrats. And so, and when you break down just one particular county like Delaware County here outside of Philadelphia, and you can see what Democrats did to, to get those votes. And yeah, there's fraud. And yeah, there's harvesting. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's who they are. They're, gonna, they're not yeah. going to play by the rules completely. But at the end of the day, they do but, work it. They have a ground game. They but, have the money exactly. and they work it. Exactly. They have a ground game. And so for those Republicans who just want to stay stuck on, uh, you know, uh, uh, illegitimate elections and it's fraud and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm not in that camp. Um, I probably once was leaning into that camp coming out of 2020, but over some time and just kind of looking at, you know, what happened, where we are, there is a strategy. But again, Republicans are going to have to, one, stop being so gullible. That means you're going to have to stay engaged and commit to getting involved a little bit sooner than the week before the actual election day. Mm. Two, we're going to have to work on, you know, working. We're going to have to work. No one is going to save us. If you could go behind the curtains, I spent a lot of time with our state leaders as well as our federal leaders on the Republican side. Not all of them put that qualifier out there. But you spend some time with these people. They have a tremendous amount of disdain for their base. <laughs> they know they need you for your vote, but they have a tremendous amount of disdain for us. And yes. so I, I, I am firm in the belief that our help is not going to come from the top down. Our help is going to come from the grassroots up. And no one did grassroots like I did. I intend to continue doing that as we go into 2023. We have a lot of races 
And so I'm going to do what I, I believe the Republican Party will not do. I'm going to go find really good talent. I'm going to train them. I'm going to come alongside them. And I'm going to help them in the win, bringing support, financial, as well as other types of support around them. Because I'm going to show Pennsylvania how to win. And that's what we're going to do. Wow, definitely sounds like you have a strong future there. Again, you know, we need to win back the legislature, but with the right people. Republicans had control of it forever and did nothing with it. Uh, a lot of that leadership hated their base, and we yep. saw that with, obviously, the governor's election, that it never got off the ground because, you know, uh, the the other side does to us what we don't do to them. We always rally. And, and this is what's so insidious, and we're seeing it again with the speaker's race. And, by the way, it's the same talk show hosts that are pushing McCarthy – and it's that they know that – see, they, they're in bed with the Democrats every day. They don't care. They know we're the ones who are terrified of the Democrats because we actually care about the country. So it's a brilliant strategy. They tell our voters, do you want the Democrats to win? Like, oh, no, 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 I'm terrified. No, no, I don't want to – okay, help. You know. But but meanwhile, they're the ones that, that, that enable their policies – but they insidiously use that, and then they're wrong anyway. Their electoral you know, analysis is wrong anyway, that usually their candidates are not more electable. In this case, it was like, are you kidding me? Like, at a time when their party is in bed with corporations and the money and pharma greed, you allow somehow Fetterman to claim the mantle of the average Joe, and you look like the elitist? That's just, <laughs> that's just like, I mean, that would, wow. that much, I don't but know what. Republicans yeah. did that. Republic, but the Republicans No one could have done that to you. They shoved a, a very unlikable person. Now, one-on-one, I found Oz to be very likable, but he sure. had a very difficult time translating that likability to the population, and primarily because he was trying to sell a message, specifically in the primary, that he didn't really believe. Yes. I mean, you cannot show me one time he used his public platform, which is lar- which was large, to ever push one conservative No, it was the opposite. It was biomedical topic. surveillance, biomedical tyranny, vaccines up the wazoo, transhumanism. our children, um, abortion, all of that, right? Black Lives Matter, he called the nation systemically racist. So now he's running in the Republican Party. and But he's not just running as a Republican. He's running as a conservative Republican. And so the reason why he had a hard time uh, being perceived as authentic is because overwhelmingly people aren't stupid and they realize this man is not a conservative. And so, and then that's why you saw immediately after he won the primary kind of kicked Donald Trump to the curve and began to move more and more, you know, back towards, um, you know, the Democrat side of thinking on things. But, uh, but Republicans knew that going in. And so again, we, People with, you know, people who know better, not that we have absolute truth. No one has absolute truth, but I do believe truth exists. And I believe it is our job to figure out what is the closest thing to truth we can and then to live by it and to point others to it. And so for those of us who have that capability and that mindset, it is our job to get out here and to do the hard work. Get up, go to your neighbor's house, bring coffee sit down and have some challenging conversations. The, the two things people tell you not to talk about politics and religion, I believe <laughs> are the two things we should all be talking about all the time. All the time. And I have, and I have these hot potato topics all the time. You won't see one video of me getting into an argument with people. So it can be done, but we must start doing it and stop always trying to take the easiest route to the win. The easiest route to the win. Great message. I wish we had more time, but again, you can find out more at kathybarnett.com, Kathy for Truth on Twitter, and look up her book, um, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain. We expect to hear a lot of great things from you. We're going to follow you in the future and look forward to having you back again. Take care. Thank you so much. Wow, folks. I mean, that's that's certainly... See, I'm kind of torn because when you listen to interviews like this, it's like you realize it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I don't know 100% that she would have won the general election. It's hard to say just because of the uh, mail-in juggernaut the Democrats have built. But I'll tell you this much. It would have been, if she wouldn't have won, it would have been a lot closer. And they would have kept the state house. But it could very well be she would have won. 
And there's no way she could have been pegged as an elitist. She would have appealed to all those voters. And this is really, I mean, this is the future. You need fresh new type of candidates. I actually think she should run as an independent, but that's just my opinion. Um, that would that would make that would totally upend American politics. Fresh face, different message. Um, this is what it's all about. Stop being gullible. That's the problem. Our own base is sometimes too gullible. They're too lazy. They're looking for the the path most trodden, just the easiest path to defeating the Democrats. And often it's not. In this case, it was the worst path, but it's the perceived path. Um, you know, and and it's got to be bottom up. That's what it is. You can't just sit and wait for the next piece of garbage the GOP machine uh, tries to spit out. But I'd love to know your thoughts. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. Uh, just quick programming announcement. Uh, tomorrow morning, I don't know the exact time, but look, maybe 9 o'clock or so, look on Ron Johnson. Senator Ron Johnson's Rumble page is where he'll be streaming the vaccine injury roundtable. Um, also, those of you who are looking for Christmas presents, you could shop for patriotic merchandise at The Blaze. We have uh, a lot of cool stuff, uh, Let's Go Brandon type of stuff, at shop.blazemedia.com. You can get 20% off with the promo code Horowitz. It's H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z 20. Um, and uh, you need to show The Blaze that we're beating the Veggie Burger shows here. So we're having kind of a friendly competition, which promo code to, could do better. So Horowitz 20 for shop.blazemedia.com. Folks, till tomorrow, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.